Hello, everybody. So last week, I put up a podcast about setting group rules, and it was very short and sweet. And I wanted to elaborate now on how to really start a therapy session. I'm going to mostly talk in the context of groups because I know many of us as dance movement therapists and therapists working in institutions or healers providing workshops, we tend to work in groups. And just know that you can apply all of this to individual sessions as well with a little bit of adapting and tweaking. This is part of my Back to Basics series where you voted on what kind of episodes you wanted to hear and many many of you said that you wanted to hear specific approaches. And before we get into very specific approaches, we need to really talk about the foundations of being a therapist and providing therapy or healing sessions because... If we don't have the foundation down, it is easy to get lost in theory and ideas and not know how to apply it in practice. And speaking of interventions to apply in practice, I want to know if you work with clients who are constantly trying to figure out what they really want and feel a lot of the time that they're fighting an uphill battle with their goals. If so, I can help you help your clients tune into their bodies so that they can conquer their goals with ease and flow. I'm currently promoting my Conquer Your Goals online workshop, where you'll learn and experience my step-by-step process of a method that helps your clients tune in through movement. Because you're also going through this, you can experience your own tuning in and your own transformational process with this technique, and then you can implement it with your own clients. If you work with individuals or you work in small groups, you can use this as long as your clients are able to reflect and process and they feel stable enough to really tune into their bodies. If you're interested, but you maybe have some questions, I'm going to be doing a a Facebook Live Q&A on Thursday, April 19th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm going to talk about a few key points about why it's important to incorporate movement into our healing practices And then I'm going to take your questions live and answer them. If you're already interested and you want to sign up, if you are one of the first five people to enroll, you can get a free 30-minute support session with me that you can use before, during, or after the workshop. The workshop starts online on April 23rd. We do have a start date, but you can take it on your own time. And the, the workshop materials, the videos, and the guided movement explorations... Those are all going to be available for forever, but if you want to go through it with a group of people and then join our live support call, having finished a decent amount of the workshop or, or all of it, you'll want to contribute about 30 to 60 minutes per week. So I'm going to put the link to the workshop in the podcast episode notes so you can look at more info and enroll if you're ready. And I'm also going to put the link to my Facebook page so that you can join the live Q&A that I'm hosting on Thursday. This is Mind Your Body, a dance movement therapy perspective on the integration of our emotional, cognitive, physical, and spiritual aspects of our being into one more aware and whole existence. So this podcast episode is all about the first part of a group session. I like to call it the introduction to the session or the assessment stage or maybe even the pre-warm-up. Whatever you call it, it's 
really the very first stage of your session that I'm talking about in this episode. Now, this could look different based on what kind of group you're working with. If you're working with a group of people you're only going to see once or maybe a few times, like in an inpatient or outpatient setting, or you're running a workshop, then that's going to look different than a session that you're running with a group of people who you're working with more long-term and is a group that has been together for a while and there are no new members coming in and out. There also are instances where it is a long-term group and there could be a new member coming in and out at some points. I'm really just going to focus on the short-term group and the long-term group. And then if you have something that, that you have in the middle, just kind of take a little bit from each of those categories. The reason I'm dedicating an entire episode to this is because the beginning of a group is so important to setting a contained and safe space for the rest of the session. Imagine that you're meeting someone new or even catching up with an old friend and upon seeing each other, you just jump into the meat of what's going on in your life. There's no hellos, there's no how you been, what's been going on, you know, the past few months that I haven't seen you. It's just like, hi, I am getting a divorce. I mean, that can be okay if you're very, very close with somebody, but think of this more as an interaction with someone that you're more acquainted with. It's pretty awkward if there's no introduction period and warming up period to, you know, the deeper stuff. For me, whenever I'm even catching up with somebody on the phone, like a friend, even a really close friend, and we haven't talked in a while, and they say, hey, what's going on in your life? I feel really strange just jumping into the very deep things that are going on in my life. I kind of feel a need to warm up and be like, well, this has been going on and, you know, these things are going on. And then maybe 20 minutes in, we're really getting into it. And that could just be my personality of easing into things and my my movement preferences of slowing into things. But um, you have to keep in mind that there are going to be people in your group who are like that and like me in that way especially when people are going through a hard time and they're feeling fragile and vulnerable and there are other people in the room who they don't know. And if they do know, they maybe don't trust. Um, Even one person in the room can throw off that whole feeling a sense of safety. This is why I'm going to take the time to really emphasize this foundational piece of being a therapist and being a healer because we need to set a strong and safe foundation in order for the rest of the stuff to unfold. A lot of the things that I'm going to be talking about sound very simple in theory, but in practice, they're not so easy. It's easy to get caught up in the energy that you feel when you walk into the room, whether it's an agitated energy or a depressed and low mood energy. Or a different kind of energy, like very, very an anxious energy and 
mischievous energy. I have an example of a group that I did last week that I can talk about in terms of mischievous energy that really throws you off. And you don't know who's going to be in the room. There could be someone in the room who immediately reminds you of somebody that in the past has made you feel uncomfortable or triggers something difficult in you. And all of that can happen within a matter of seconds of walking to the room. So I also know from my experience that a lot of the ways that I start my sessions can depend on my day and how I'm feeling. And in the past, I have let my emotions and my mood and things that are going on outside affect the way that I start my sessions, kind of thinking like, it's it's not a huge deal if I don't do this or that. But I have found that it changes the entire session and the entire feel for me and for the patients and their ability to open up. Like it, it just feels like a stuckness that happens. And it still does happen for me. And honestly, all of these things will happen no matter how new or experienced you are in the field. We are human and we are not perfect and we won't always feel our best and be able to do our best no matter how much we know intellectually. Um, so all of this is to say that, you know, it's not a bad thing. If, if you do have a reaction from a, a client in the room or if you do feel overwhelmed by the energy in the room or if you're having a bad day and you just can't seem to get yourself energized enough to meet the energy, meet a high energy of the patients in the room. You know, all that stuff is going to happen. And that is more of a subject. That's more a subject of accepting our cycles of being a therapist um, and accepting that our best and showing up our best is going to look different each day. The reason that I wanted to talk about that a little bit first is because that what I'm about to talk about with starting a session sounds simple, but there is that disclaimer that there are so many other factors in the room that can throw us off, that something as simple as saying hello can feel difficult. So let's start there. Let's start with the greeting. How do you say hello to the room? Or how do you say hello to the group? If you're walking into a group that's already there, how do you walk in? Do you walk in and stop and pan the room and make eye contact with the people in there? Or do you kind of rush in and find a seat and sit down and get all your things together and then, you know, finally look up and around to everybody and say hello? Or if you are sitting there before and you're waiting for people to come join the room, how do you greet everybody? Do you greet them at the door? Do you let them walk in on their own and then greet them once they're sitting? There's not necessarily a right or wrong with either of those, but it depends on who's in your group and who your group is and what works best for them. And so it could be a bit of a trial and error before you really know what what works well. I think it's important that we feel grounded and centered and, you know, rushing into the room or rushing around to get organized as people are walking in or as we're walking into a group. 
is not a great start, even though I know sometimes it is hard to avoid when we have such busy schedules. But even if you do have to set up, you know, there's a way to greet the room first and maybe do take that minute to stop and say hello and make eye contact and acknowledge everyone in the room. And then, you know, you can say, it's so great to see you all. Um, You could say, hi, everyone. How are y'all doing today? You know, whatever you might say to greet people. And then say, we're going to get started in one minute. I just have to get my my iPod and my speaker, and I have to get the attendance list, and then we'll get started. Thank you so much for your patience. You know, just acknowledging that their time is valuable as well, and also acknowledging that they're there in the room waiting for you, the group leader. So that's one thing that works for me is a rule of thumb is no matter what happens, no matter what mood I'm in, no matter how much of a rush I'm in, my first step is to make eye contact with everybody in the room. They might not be looking back at me, and that's okay, but I will take a look around and I will look at every person and just see who's with us and feel who's with us today. Taking a moment to stop and look around and take a deep breath, just a breath that I feel really lets me to assess the energy in the room. So it serves as both a greeting for the people in the room and also an assessment period. The same goes for, you know, whether you open the door for the people coming into the room or you allow them to walk into the room and then sit. You might be missing a lot of important information there in the way that they enter the space. And now I'm talking a little bit more about the assessment part of the, of starting the group, but The greeting is important where, again, you see them, they see you, and you also have that opportunity to assess right from the very start. So maybe you can think of a way that shows, hi, I'm here today, I'm going to lead your group today, and I am present. Is it eye contact? Um, Is it facing your body towards everybody as you look at them? Um, Like, I'm picturing... What I mean by that is turning your head towards each person in the room. It's pretty much eye contact, but also using your body with that as well. And then I know there are certain things that we have to do in the beginning of a group. Um, Depending on where you work, you might have to take attendance. You might have to just jot down the names of the people in the room because we have to write notes about it. Or you might just want to simply know the names of the people in the room because that feels a lot more comfortable than seeing a lot of faces of of people whose names you don't know and not knowing how to address them. I personally find the beginning of groups easily overwhelming. Uh, I'm less overwhelmed by them at this point in my career, but I still kind of dread the very, very beginning of groups because there's so much we have to do. In my position, you know, we have to say hello, we have to get names, we have to remember the names, we may have to write it down. We have to make sure people are in the room safely, whether they're coming in or they're having an interaction with other people. There's a lot of multitasking that happens. But no matter what you do, again, I believe it is the most important thing to greet everyone and acknowledge that they're there and show them that their presence is valuable. 
if you're working with a group long term and it's a group of people who have come back over and over again, you may already have your idea of what works best um, in terms of entering the room and greeting the members. It's normal for things to fall into routine. Um, What I will say about that is just make sure that your routine is continuing to serve a purpose in the long-term group and always be open for reassessment of how, how the group starts and how the group says hello to each other. So what I mean by that is if you have a certain ritual for opening and for greeting everybody, but it seems like at a certain point, people aren't as engaged or as excited about it. They seem more withdrawn. That's a time to check in about it and see maybe if it's time to change it up and ask the group members, how can we say hello differently? How can we say hello in a way that is more fulfilling or more meaningful? Okay, number two, I have three things that I want to talk about here. The first one was the greeting, and the second one now is what sharing what to expect with the group. So when I'm running a group that's short-term and there are new members in the room, this is, of course, a piece that is so important, what to expect, especially if you're a dance therapist or a body-centered healer that's not as familiar to the people in the room. Um, either way, even if you're just running a talk group, it is always important to talk about what to expect from the group. What are we going to do in the next 45 minutes or 60 minutes or 90 minutes? What, what am I getting myself into? That's kind of a, that's kind of a feeling that I get from the people when I'm, when I say, hi, I'm a dance therapist or I'm a movement therapist. It's like, oh no, what are we going to do in here? So after my greeting, after I say hello and I, you know, just kind of sense the room and make eye contact and acknowledge everybody in the space, um, and I do take attendance, uh, that is a part of my job that I need to do, I will do that either sitting from my seat and going around the room, or I will get up and I will go up to each person and ask them what their name is, kind of a little more quietly and intimately. And that decision is based on how focused the group is, how, um, you know, how anxious the energy is in the room, you know, maybe even saying their name out loud is something that's a little too intimidating at the moment. Um, That's something that we can revisit a little bit afterwards or like even just a few minutes later. I, I like to prime what I'm going to do by saying it, especially in a group of people who are not familiar with my style. So I say, okay, I'm going to take attendance now. I just want to get your names before we really get started. And then I'm going to talk about what to expect from the group. So I work with a lot of people who feel really anxious easily. And it is so helpful to really map out what each step of the group is going to be. And even though I don't know what exactly is going to happen because I go with the flow and I like to meet the energy and the people where they're at. Um, when there is certainty, I like to share it. So I know I'm going to take attendance and I know I am going to tell you what to expect from the group. So I really like to elaborate on what to expect 
At this point, I have a speech, basically. I have a little spiel that I use in the beginning of each of my groups. And it does change depending on if I'm working with children, adolescents, or adults, and the diagnosis of the adults. So my spiel could be different for a unit that I'm working with who struggles with depression, anxiety, versus psychosis and psychotic symptoms versus uh, addictions. But I'll give a very general example of what my spiel is for a group of adults struggling with mood disorders. And so I'm going to share my spiel, and it goes a little something like this. My name is Orit, and I'm a movement therapist here. Has anyone here been in movement therapy before? Maybe a little maybe a little nod, maybe a little raising their hands. I might notice some people from the group who's been in my group before. Okay, well, whether you've been in my group or not, I'm going to explain what to expect from this group anyway. Just so you know, just so you have an idea of what's going to happen in the next 60 minutes. I do like to emphasize the time because um, even though it's pretty clear and it's spelled out, you know, all groups are 60 minutes, for example, you know, there's there's doubt. You know, there could be doubt in their heads like, how long am I really going to have to be here is, is there going to be a change I don't really know about? Maybe just assume and be on the, the side of safety that people are going to doubt whether the program and the therapists and the staff are going to stay true to their word because, because perhaps they've been betrayed and lied to and deceived many times in the past. Maybe not assume, but just know that that's a strong possibility. It's a possibility. So anyway, so I'm going to tell you what to expect for the next 60 minutes of this group. So this group looks a little bit different than the other groups that you have here. We're not just going to be talking, but we are going to be using our bodies in this group a little bit. And that can range from something as minimal as breathing and stretching to something bigger like moving around and being a little bit more spontaneously expressive in movement standing up, maybe even standing up from our chairs. What this group ends up looking like and how much we move depends on you and how you're feeling and what your energy level is like and what you're comfortable with. And the reason we use movement is because, you know, we come from a place of believing that our feelings are and our thoughts not only happen in our minds and in our heads, but they also exist in our bodies and the way that we feel in our bodies can affect the way that we feel emotionally and the way that we think about things and the way that we behave and vice versa. So you may, you may experience this yourself when you have anxiety, you may feel that in your chest, you may feel that in your heart, you may feel that as tension in your muscles, or if you're feeling depressed, you might feel really heavy. If you're feeling really happy, you might feel light and free. Our emotions also exist as sensations in our bodies. And so we like to include the body in the therapy. I like to give that little fact because um, in my setting, a lot of times it's like, why are we doing this? What is this for? This is strange. Um it, I mean, it depends on the population and how familiar people are with movement therapy, but I like to give a little psych education, like this group has real value. And depending on how engaged the 
the members are at that point when I'm talking about it. Like if they're nodding their heads or if they're really looking at me like, I know what you're talking about. I'll say, have you guys experienced that before? You know, um, feeling your feelings in your body and, you know, we'll talk about it for a minute and, you know, they'll just say, yeah, yeah, I feel anxiety in this place or in my chest or I, I, I shake my legs all the time. And it won't turn into a big discussion because I'm still talking about, you know, what to expect. But just setting that sense of, oh, yeah, there's people in the room in here who experience what I experience or the group leader, you know, has something really valuable to offer and maybe I should really engage and focus and and see what this is all about. Maybe you can help me. Again, that is me talking from, um, from working from a place that there's not necessarily always a choice when it comes to participating in my groups. Anyway, I go on to talk about the safety in the group. So because this group is a little bit different, we might be doing things in here that are new to you or a little bit outside of your comfort zone. I'm going to encourage you to push a little bit past some discomfort and go a little bit outside of your comfort zone because that might help you grow or move forward. But I also want you to know that if you feel too uncomfortable or too overwhelmed at any point, you can take a break and go back to your comfort zone. And that might look like sitting. That might look like taking deep breaths or putting your hands together. So I'll also do these movements while I am talking about them. And just giving them options for coming back to the comfort zone. I also work in a place where leaving the room is an issue. So I will say, if you have an emergency or if it feels like an emergency, you can leave the room. But if you can tolerate being in here and you don't have an emergency, I want you to stay in the room. I want us to all go through this together. And I have different variations of saying that, but I'm essentially asking them not to leave the room unless they really, really need to, because it is really disruptive to the process. And I ask if anyone has any questions. Usually no one ever has any questions. And then I say, okay, well, now I'm going to check in with you all and see where you're at and where you're and how you're feeling. And that's, that's pretty much my introduction. Um, after that is going into the warm up, which, which I would like to do another episode about because that's a whole different ballgame. If you're working with a group long term, you likely don't have to elaborate like that every single time. Um, depending on how long you've worked with them, they already know what to expect. They really have a good sense of how the group is going to go and their comfort level is probably a little bit higher. Um, Every group is different. They might not be comfortable for a really long time. So depending on the group that you're working with, you might spend months and months saying, this is what's going to happen in today's group. We're going to do a little warm up or we warm up our bodies and then we're going to go into more Uh, movement exploration and then we're going to cool down with a you know some stretching and whatever that's all some trial and error and really sensing where the group is at and your what to expect speech and your rules and your safety speech could be a completely different routine or ritual at that point it could be like we all take three deep breaths together when we walk into the room and, and we know it, and that is part of our ritual to start, and that is part of 
what we understand is keeping us grounded and safe and a movement that we can come back to. Um, for example, that could be a ritual that your group has. In terms of that not only being trial and error, it's also like every group of people is like a different life form that all of its individual needs make up a different cohesive collaborative need. So if you are working with a new group, I would apply everything that I just talked about with a short-term group and just see how that evolves and what sticks and what develops more meaning and what becomes less enticing. I said that I had three things that I wanted to go over, but I think I kind of clumped number two and three into that last little section. Uh, My number three was establishing rules and safety. And the degree to which you set rules, of course, depends on the population that you're working with. I definitely have to set rules explicitly with the when working with children and adolescents, especially because many times there's a huge difference in presentation of symptoms and personalities in the room. There are some really, really high energy agitated people in the room. And there are also some very low energy depressed people in the room. Sorry, I'm generalizing here. Um, But that is a very risky combination of people where people can easily feel threatened and unsafe. And I do find that happens a lot with the with my child and adolescent groups. So introducing a group is very much about setting the rules of the group as well. If you're not sure what rules to set, you can start by asking people what will help you feel safe in this group for the next 45 minutes. Without pointing anyone out, what kind of behaviors in general do you want to see from your peers or do you not want to see? And definitely emphasize, do not point anyone out. This is not a This is not an opportunity to bash any one person's habits that frustrates you. Um, If that seems too risky, maybe just ask what kind of vibe do you want in this room? That word seems to go really well with the the adolescence, the vibe. Um, For the adults, it's more like what kind of energy do you want in this room? For the kids, it's got to be a little more spelled out. Like, how do you want to be treated when you speak? Or how do you want to be treated when you're giving an idea? How do you want to how do you want to be able to ask for what you want or take a break when you need it? And just kind of spell those things out a little bit more for the children. I will do a combination of setting rules that I know that I need to make. Um, you know, like my I will not tolerate list. So there are three things that I will not tolerate in any of my groups. So I'll do those three things as my rules. And then I'll also ask them, you know, I want their input too. Actually, I only have one thing on my my do not tolerate list that goes across all groups. Um, And then it might change here and there, depending on the group that I'm working with. But it's that I I will not tolerate bullying of, of any kind. If somebody is in my group that cannot manage the way that they are putting down somebody, I will not tolerate that. And I will get really specific about it. It 
you have to follow up with your rules too and say that each rule has a, for each rule, I will give you three chances and I will give you those warnings. And by the third warning, I will ask you to, you know, depending on what group you're in, sit on the side, or I will ask blah, 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 like the staff member to take you back to your unit. And so, you know, it might be a good idea for you to write, if you don't already know, what are the things that you will absolutely not tolerate in a, in a group session. And that could be the rule that you make no matter what. And if you want some tips on how to make rule setting fun, just refer back to my last episode that's called Setting Group Therapy Rules Can Be Fun. Okay, I hope that was clear enough. If you have any questions, feel free to send me a message. You can visit my Facebook page, facebook.com slash DMT, and send me a message there or visit my website, mindyourbodydmt.com and click on the contact. And let me know what's worked for you and any additional strategies that you use or things that you find crucial to introducing your group. And before you go, please check out the podcast episode notes for my link to my online workshop and for my Facebook page for this Thursday's Facebook Live. Bye.